Are you ready to make the right moves and unlock your passion? Welcome to From the Inside Out with your host, Carla D. Walker. To be your best self in your personal life and your business life, all you need to do is look within yourself. Now, here is Carla D. Walker. Good morning, world. How are you today? Absolutely fabulous. I'm feeling good. And it's going to be a great day today. Uh, Good energy out in the universe today. So this is going to be a phenomenal day. And we're coming up on a holiday, which is always fantastic, always good. I hope you guys are getting some rest and you're going to have some fun this summer playing around and uh, enjoying yourselves, maybe enjoying your families. Uh, That's what it's all about, making memories and uh, having fun. Uh, What I hope for you today, my wish for you today, is that you're feeling fine. You're feeling great. You're feeling as though you can accomplish anything. And maybe you're even feeling, I need to relax. And you're looking so forward to the next day off or to the holiday. So you can just breathe a little bit and take some time. I'm wishing for you that today you'll start winding down so that you can get at work, so that you can get ready to enjoy yourself for the weekend, so that you're going to take a deep breath and let it out and just let all the stressors of the workday go by and just focus on the end game, the end goal, what you got to do, what you're going to do when you get home, how you're going to relax. Maybe you have a soak in a tub. Maybe you're going to go work out at the gym today. And that workout is going to be the best workout that you've had so far. It's going to set you on another path in your in your uh, road to being healthy. My wish for you today is that you smile a lot, that you laugh a lot, that you be kind and that someone is kind to you. And that you say hello to someone you never met before. And maybe even hold the door for them or hold that elevator as they're going down. Give them that smile. And they may look at you kind of strangely because maybe where you're at, people don't smile a lot. But you, you can feel the positive energy. You're feeling good from the inside out. And you're letting your energy flow through. And you're making somebody else feel good. That's my wish for you today. That you're touching people in a positive way. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily physically touching them, but touching people emotionally, touching them spiritually in a positive way, and that that will bring you the reward and satisfaction that's going to carry you through the rest of the week. So good luck. Uh, I want to read something to you from um, Jody Ernst, uh, which says, when you follow your own heart, The choices you make will always be the right ones. Remember that no one can ever make your choices for you. What you do with your life is your own choice. How you decide to live your life and achieve your goals is up to you and no one but you. Mistakes will be made, but you can learn from them. Always remember to live your life in a way that's right for you. 
Everything you do should make you happy. And those who may at first disagree will in time be happy for you too. Then you will come to see that the choices you make are right if you make them for yourself. And I, I think that's she's just that's an important thing. You can't make choices for others. You know, you can't do something for someone else because somebody else wants you to do it. You've got to do it because this is what you want. You've got to make those choices because these are the things you've decided that's best or that's right for you. And and, and that particular um, poem, I think, is appropriate for what we're going to talk about today. And I was, I was having a conversation with, with my daughter, and I have an adult daughter, and we are just beginning to have more and more and more conversations. I remember her growing up, she used to talk all the time. And then as she got older, um, in her teens and into college, um, there was one point where I couldn't stop her from talking. And then she got quiet and she didn't talk so much. At least she didn't talk so much to me. And maybe that's part of the natural growing process or things that happen when kids get older. They stop talking to their parents. They start talking to their friends and, and other people. And I miss that. I miss that. Uh, but we're starting to get that conversation back again. And, and uh, the other day we had a really good conversation. And she said something to me that just sort of threw me back. And she said, well, what have you done for me? Because <laughs> I was talking to her about, you know, how, you know, I just want to help her. And I'm, you know, I'm glad I'm able to do that. And she said, how do you help me? How do you help me? And it kind of took me off guard. In fact, it also kind of hurt me a little bit because I thought, wow, here's a person standing before me that I made every decision in my life based upon trying to make sure she was happy and that she was successful and that she had everything that she needed. And she's asking me, how did I help her? So I rambled off a couple of things. But then I told her, you know, don't worry about it. We started talking about, about something a little different. But I carried that. I kept hearing in my head, what have you done for me? How have you helped me? And I thought, hmm, this is interesting. So I started thinking about parenting. And I started thinking about the question that, that I hear a lot. Are you a good parent? Have you been a good parent? How do you know you've been a good parent? What is good parenting? So I started thinking about that because that's something for me that was always important once I became a parent. I wanted to make sure that I was doing everything, quote unquote, right for my daughter or everything that would be good for my daughter. You know, I never really thought that I would be a parent. That was not something that, as a little girl, I thought, oh, I can't wait, you know, to have a family and, uh, you know, raise my kids. And those, those were thoughts that I really had as as a child. I know a lot of kids do. I mean, you see a lot of kids playing with dolls and, and they have a little family of dolls and, you know, they have 
uh, dolls that look like real babies, which to me is kind of creepy, but... but anyway, so so little kids would start, you know, playing with that. You know, I didn't play with a lot of dolls. I remember I had a lot of Barbies. Barbie wasn't having a baby. That's <laughs> not what I was growing up. The most Barbie was doing was I get by different heads of Barbie, so she'd have different hairdos. <laughs> but having a baby was not something that that Mattel was putting out for Barbie. That was not what Barbie was doing. Her body could not take it. <laughs> so, but uh, I had Barbies and uh, I had another doll called Chatty Cathy. I don't know if any of you have ever had a Chatty Cathy, uh, but Kathy was very chatty and I love it. Chatty Cathy was kind of my buddy and I would pull her string and Chatty Cathy would be chatty and she would say all kinds of crazy things. Um, but that was kind of the extent of my doll thing. Um, and I always tried to take care of them because I thought they were too pretty to play with. So I was one of those kids that, oh, I, I thank you for the doll. I'm going to put it over here in its box so it won't get messed up. I don't, you know, shouldn't play with it. So I'm not playing with it. And, and I wasn't playing with it because I didn't want to mess it up. I didn't want to mess up his hair. I'd seen... Um, my friends or other people who had dolls that had hair that looked like, oh my God, <laughs> what were they doing to that doll's head? I don't know. But that wasn't what I wanted to do. They came in a box. It was pretty. They looked nice. Just leave them in the box. And so I never really played with them. I was more tomboyish, uh, is what they used to call it. I like playing outside and doing things outside. Now, mind you, I was allergic to grass, so it was a little hard to do things outside, which, you know, kind of explains why for me, as long as there are sidewalks, I'm good. But I used to play um, hopscotch, which was one of my favorite games. I used to do that. I don't know if they still do. I don't see a lot of kids doing that, um, playing hopscotch. Although, I was leaving the mall yesterday, and I did see a little girl try to do hopscotch uh, on the marble squares. Um, that were uh, on the floor. So that that was it. So maybe they are still playing it. But dodgeball, loved a good dodgeball game. We used to do that. Uh, play hide and seek. I uh, also loved to do that. Sitting in a tree, I loved to climb trees. I used to hang, put hang my hang down from a tree. Uh, we used to climb, try to climb up to the top. We would sit in the trees. Uh, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why, uh, that was fun. I'd go to have the breeze in the trees. You could sit and observe. You could see the birds closer. Uh, I really didn't think a lot about insects, but, you know, insects are always in trees, but I didn't think about that. But we had these wonderful apple trees uh, in our backyard, and so I could climb the tree and get an apple or pick an apple. Um, which was always a treat uh, to me. Um, but I like to do those kind of things when I was a kid, be outside and, and uh, also investigating. So we would go around the neighborhood and um, investigate the different places that we weren't supposed to be, of course, um, where we were told we weren't supposed to go. Um, but I never thought about being somebody's mother. 
didn't occur to me. It uh, wasn't one of those thoughts, wasn't even a fleeting thought at that time. You know, I loved going to school. I loved playing outside. I loved uh, going to the amusement park. I actually had an amusement park about maybe a block from where I lived. Um, it was called Lakeside. And it would have this rickety old roller coaster that you could hear it go as it was going up. Clink, 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 clink. And then as it got to the top and when it descended, you hear all these people go, ah, see, we're going down. And it would go uh, up and down. You could hear people screaming. And it was really fun <laughs> to do that. And that was one of my most favorite rides. I would go on the roller coaster um, almost every night or go to uh, on a Ferris wheel uh, and uh, play on a Ferris wheel. So I loved that. I thought clowns were creepy. <laughs> so uh, they weren't necessarily my favorite thing to to see or get us to, and 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 they had uh, a house of mirrors in the amusement park, so you could go and and look at all different shapes. So I like to do all of those kinds of things, and uh, and those things were fun to me. And and to listen for the Mr. Softy truck. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Mr. Softy, and run down the street to get an ice cream cone. Uh, from Mrs. Shafty. So those are the kind of things I like to do as a young child. Sitting on the porch, my great aunt had a swing. And so we could sit on the porch and swing or sit on a rocking chair and rock and let the summer breeze just kind of blow, blow around you and listen to what was going on, uh, watching the cars go by. Those are the kind of things that I remember that I thought was fun. Uh, playing with my cousins. Um, those were the things that we talked about. My cousins never were never those people who played with dolls a lot. I mean, she had dolls, but we didn't play with dolls. You know, we were doing other things that we thought were more, we were exploring. We were catching fireflies and pulling. I know this sounds really bad, but we were pulled a little... Um, uh, what was the glow, the light from their from their little wings, and we catch it, and those would be our rings, our diamond rings we would be wearing, and and um, those are the kind of things that we did, pulling the honeydew uh, flower, uh, honeysuckle, uh, and 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 eating the nectar from the from the honeysuckle. Those are the kind of things that we did. Never really thought about being somebody's mother. Never really thought about being a parent. You know, I was going to go to school all my life. <laughs> I was going to go to school. I was going to work, maybe even be a professor. At one time, I wanted to be an English teacher because my English teacher um, I didn't like. And so my goal was to go to college, and I was going to take her job. Little did I know by the time I got to college, she was retiring. So I literally could take her job. But as I got into that, I really didn't want to to be that kind of teacher. Um, I really wanted to dance. And my school, when I was young, used to take us to what they call the young people's concerts. I don't know if they do that anymore, but 
boy, it was a great thing to do. We would go to young people's concerts and we would we would listen to Beethoven and McDonough and and uh, uh, we'd listen to the Nutcracker and they'd tell us the story or we'd listen to Peter and the Wolf and they'd use all the instruments. They would introduce the instruments to us, the, the woodwind, the oboes, um, and as part of the storytelling process. So you really got to, to learn but also enjoy the story. And it was so visual, you could actually see the characters as they were, or imagine the characters as the different instruments would play them. And we would see uh, different dance troops and, and uh, we saw a lot of ballet, a lot of modern ballet, the American Ballet Theater, then we would see would come. And I fell in love with the ballerina. And I wanted to be a ballerina. And so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to dance. I wanted to flow through the air. I wanted to leap and have my partner catch me and twirl around on my on my pointed toe. I wanted to be that dancer. I could feel the music in my bones. I could feel the music as she moved and she moved so gracefully and I wanted to do that. So I I told my aunt and we decided to look for maybe a ballet school or some place where I could take ballet lessons because there weren't that many ballet lessons on the west side where I grew up. In fact, there weren't any ballet teachers where I grew up. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tune into From the Inside Out. To reach Carla Walker or her guest today, call us at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to Carla Walker from the Inside Out at gmail.com. Now back to the show. 
So there weren't many ballet teachers, and, and part of it is because I lived on the west side, and most of our neighborhood was uh, black or African American. Um, but you know, not a lot of people who are taking ballet or doing ballet lessons, and uh, so we tried to find one. And when we did find a talk to someone, a ballet teacher. My ballet teacher told me, the ballet teacher said that I could never be a ballerina because one, there are no black ballerinas. And two, my feet were too big and there were no shoes that they would be able to find for me to wear for ballet. I got to tell you, that cut me like a knife. I mean, I cried. I was so hurt. I, I just wanted to crawl into a hole. And just stay there, you know. Now I wasn't real dramatic, but inside, this is what I was feeling. I, I thought, what am I going to do? Oh, I want to dance. It was in my soul. I was there. It was inside. You know, I wanted to dance so badly. So I started realizing and thinking and looking at other forms of dance because. While ballet was one of the first dances I would say that I, I saw and that I fell in love with, there are other forms of dance that I also fell in love with and that I also still love. You know, contemporary dance, you know, jazz dancing, and ballroom dancing, and um, you name it. If it's a dance, I love it, and that's what I wanted to do. And so that was my focus, and that was what I was kind of looking at trying to do. And I danced a little in college, and so when the professional dancer that came in from New York wanted me to go home with her, that's what I wanted to do. But I didn't get there. My theater teacher, whom I admired, and who I thought was absolutely fabulous. Um, kind of talked me out of it because she said, you don't know who she is. You don't know she's married. You don't know if they, you know, if her husband agreed to it. There's a whole lot you don't know. You could get to New York and, and not have any place to stay. And I was still kind of a shy kid. So I listened to my theater teacher. But I still, you know, all during this time and all this time growing up, I still didn't think I could be a parent. You know, I remember seeing, as I was growing up, I remember seeing a news clip where they had talked with Jackie Kennedy at that time uh, before she became Jacqueline Kennedy or Nassis. And I believe she had just had, I think it was John John. Um, uh, and I remember... Uh, in an interview, they asked her what were what were the things she was saying to him, and I remember her telling him, or uh, saying that as she was holding her baby for the first time in her arms, she said to him how much she loved him, and that he was loved, and that he was beautiful, and how great he was going to be, and how he was going to love school, and he was going to love his life, and he was going to do great things to the world. And I remember that. So when I became 
a parent and held my child in my arms, those were the things I whispered to her. I wanted her to know that I loved her and that she was truly loved and was going to do great things in the world, maybe even one day be president of the United States or anything that she wanted to be, that there was nothing that she couldn't do. You know, I let her know that I loved her, that you are beautiful, that, she, again, she was going to do great things, that she was going to love school, she was going to go to college. You know, it was never a question for me, would she go, would she not go? But I wanted her to have a life that was very different from mine. Because I always felt as I was growing up that there was this hole missing in my heart. There was something that just wasn't quite there. And so that's what I wanted to show my child. That's what I wanted to to do with my child as a parent. And there were no, I'm sure there were books. You know, they're like there are thousands of books on how to be a parent, how to be a mom, how to be a dad, how to be this, how to be... I didn't read any of those books, you know. I did what I thought was best. I did what I didn't have done for me. Everything I did was for the success of my daughter because I wanted her to be the absolute best that she could be. And I wanted her to have a healthy, happy, loving life. I wanted her to feel loved, to feel safe and happy. I wanted her to feel full and whole. I wanted her to know that her mother loved her, that her family loved her. I wanted her to know she was loved. So everything I did, you know, I didn't want her to want for anything. And I don't think I did anything different that any other parent uh, has not has done or would have done for their child. I mean, we all try as parents to do the best we can. We We all try as parents to make the right decisions. Um, may not have any any guidebook along, but, you know, we look at how we were raised and we look at what our parents did. We look at those things that we now think were mistakes. Um, we look at the experiences that we had, the experiences that we didn't have. And we try to figure it out. We try to work it out. You know, I, and, and as I started thinking about this topic and talking about this topic, you know, I, 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 I of course, if you don't know, I'm going to do some research on it, right? You know, you know, I, I, and I wonder, are, are, are those of you listening, do you, you understand where I'm coming from? Have you felt those things where you wanted to give your child everything that you could? You know, maybe you didn't have it. I didn't grow up, you know, wealthy uh, in a mansion. Um, I can't say that I truly remember uh, every year we took a family vacation or, uh, or things like that. I don't. I don't remember those things uh, in that in that frame. I do remember my great uncle um, 
going fishing, he would take fishing vacations uh, because he loved to fish. That was the way he relaxed. Uh, So he and his brothers would go fishing. Uh, Or my aunts, I do remember they would go uh, down to Tennessee uh, and uh, because they were from a little area called uh, Milan, Tennessee. And they had family in Humboldt, Tennessee, um, which were small rural uh, cities uh, in, the, in that particular area. And they would go down there, and, and, the, and their, their nieces and nephews were teachers and farmers, and, uh, but they would go down there. But it, it wasn't, I don't remember that it was every year, and I don't remember that I was always there as well. I do remember the times that I was there, but, you know, they were trying to do the best that they could do as well. You know, they were loving and tried to show support and, you know, provide discipline where needed um, and, you know, give you structure and provide direction for you. And, and there were rules in the house that you had to follow. So I try to do those kind of things, you know, as well. Um, yeah, I, I looked up... Um, what does it mean to be a parent? You know, I, I, I Googled that to see what I, what I would come up with. And, and some of the things that they that, that were saying or that I found, it says, you take care of your child. Um, you are a provider, right? You are a protector. You love your child. You are a counselor and a confidant. Um, I that you are a teacher, you are a role model, you know, for your child. And those, that kind of sound, you know, right. I mean, I didn't see anything that I would necessarily argue with. Um, I don't think people think necessarily, maybe more so now than what we used to, but of yourself as a counselor or as a, a confidant, uh, for your child, uh, I mean, sometimes to me it felt like if you told anything to, <laughs> told anything to your aunt, she was going to tell everybody. Maybe it's just a parent that you're working with who does that. Uh, but do you have you have those aunts or or parents who you tell them something and then they tell their friends or they tell their sister or they tell whoever or maybe it comes out in the most awkward time uh, at a dinner party or when you just brought a friend over and they provide them with little tidbits about things that you've said or that you've done. Um, but it's all part of being of love uh, and, and, and doing that. So if I buy into into all of that, I think I do. I think, I, I think now that I have an adult child, you know, when I begin thinking maybe I did something right and something was okay, she started mirroring or mimicking those things that I had said to her as she was growing up. And I had to sit back and say, oh, wow, she was listening to me. I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't think that she heard what I said. I didn't think that she listened. And I think we do that as parents. And we beat ourselves up about it. I know I beat myself up. Uh, up until very recently, really, about, you know, did I do the best for her? Did I, are the decisions that she's making or not making or the things that she 
wanted to do that she doesn't get to do is that my fault is I mean I assumed responsibility for her life for her mistakes when they weren't mine to assume now maybe when they when she was growing up right because she's young I mean she's little maybe when they're you know uh, five four three you know growing up through the elementary school you know You've, you've tried to give them some guidance and some discipline and, and you've tried to teach them, you know, rules and, that are going to, and, and give them structure that's going to work for them to protect them uh, in the world that they're interacting with. But when they become older teenagers, young adults, uh, we have to make sure that we are allowing them to live and allowing them to make mistakes. And I know some, there are some parents or some of you out there who may be listening who don't want your children to make mistakes. You know, you want to, you know, clear the path for them so that they never have a mistake, so they never fail, uh, so they only know happiness and joy. And that may be creating the wrong type of people or the wrong type of expectations for those children when we do that. You know, they... You know, they become intolerable to some degree um, because they think everything is always that way. And they've got to be able to deal with the highs and the lows of living. So we've got to give them some room to experience that so that they can prepare as they continue to grow how to deal with those things. You know, they, that's their safety net. That's their safety basket that they'll be working on, you know. So one of our roles as a parent, of course, is to provide, you know, the optimal environment. So we provide an environment for them that's safe. We provide an environment for them that's protected. You know, we uh, teach and educate our children not only in things that they learn out of books um, that they need as they're going forward in school, but we teach um, and educate them about the world that they live in. And if we're not doing that, then we're, we're making a mistake, I think, ourselves. But we've got to talk to them about the things that are going on in the world. And I say that particularly now because if we don't talk to them, their friends are talking to them, and you don't know what their friends are saying, what the information that they're getting may be wrong. The information that they're hearing from their friends, or what they're getting off the internet, or what they're getting off YouTube, or what they're seeing on Instagram, or what they're seeing on Snapchat, what they're seeing on all of those technological devices that allow the, us to touch the world more, may not be totally true. So we have to create an environment that they can talk to us about them and we have to be comfortable talking to them about these things so that they can decipher those things that are right and those things that may not be right so that that we create children who are critical thinkers who are able to discern between right things and wrong things, to discern between truth and fiction. Um, and, and we have a lot of kids right now 
who are not critical thinkers, who do live in a bubble. And living in a bubble for a while is good, but at some point the bubble's going to be burst because reality is going to smack them in the face. And then the question becomes, have we prepared them to deal with that reality? Now, of course, you can't prepare them to deal with every reality, but you can provide them experiences that give them something to draw from so that when reality does smack them in the face, they can pull out of their basket and experience and be able to deal with it in a healthy way. And that's part of our role as parents, what we do. And I think I've done that, surprisingly, to me with Kelly. Um, Provided guidance and direction, uh, assistance and help. Um, and and sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I've, I've maybe not given enough or not provided enough help. I can remember um, talking with a friend of mine and saying that, you know, I, I feel like such a failure. I don't know that, you know, she's not doing well or she needs this or she needs that or she's not where she wants to be in her career. And, oh, it's my fault and I should have done this or maybe it was something I did or, you know, something I didn't do. You know, I'm taking all this responsibility for where this person's success is. And you can't really do that. At some point, you raise a child you send them out into the world to discover they have experiences. You've taught them consequences of their actions. You've taught them or talked with them about being a good person. You've set a role model for doing that. And then you have to let them find their way, be there to support them, be there to help them, be there to guide them when they're needed but not save them all the time. You know, sometimes they may need saving, but we are not their life raft 24-7 in all situations. Sometimes their failings are the best things that can happen to them because then you find out who they really are, and what they're really made of. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tune into From the Inside Out. To reach Carla Walker or her guest today, call us at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to Carla Walker from the Inside Out at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Okay, so as a parent, we've made sure our child is healthy. We've given them a good home life, uh, best we can, and the good home life depends on you know, you know, it's, it's a place where an environment where they feel safe, uh, where they have a place to sleep, they have clothes, they have food, they have shelter. Um, we've seen to the child's education, um, and that means you know, make sure that you know they're doing their lessons, that they're going to school. Uh, that you're in contact with the teachers. And that just seems really hard to do for some reason now. I'm more I'm hearing about it. Um, but it's a responsibility as a parent you're trying to do. And, and and I feel for those parents who have to work three and four jobs just to make it in, who don't feel as though maybe that they are attending to their child's needs quite as much because their big focus is trying to put food on the table and make sure that they have uh, a house, some place, a room to sleep um, that's safe uh, in, the, in, in the neighborhood where they are. I, I feel for them because I understand how tough it is. And it's not getting any easier out there to be a parent. Maybe that's why uh, the birth rate uh, is decreasing or declining um, to some in our country um, because parents, people are growing up and realizing one how expensive it is in our country to be a parent, uh, and two how emotionally draining it can be um, because you you give yourself to another person. That's probably the highest form of love that you can you can have is to give yourself to that person. And you do that with children because you love them and you want the best for them. Um, you know, you set those rules, you identify what the punishments, if you will, are, are or not. Um, uh, you give them social experiences so they don't act like crazy people. Uh, the first time you take them to go sit down and eat at a restaurant, you don't see them running all over the place like they are nuts. You know, they're respecting other people's space, not other people's time. You know, they're learning social etiquettes. Um, and I know people say, oh, they're just being kids. Yes, but you're disrespecting the other people in the restaurant. So please have your children sit. <laughs> just please have them sit down um, and not run all over the place. Because if they fall... You're going to blame the restaurant, which I think is ridiculous because you allowed your child to run around. Anyway, okay, I'm off topic. But 
You're providing social experiences so that they're meeting different people. They're maybe even learning different cultures. You know, they're learning how to interact in the world. These are all things that are valuable as they grow up. You know, you're involved in school as much as you can. I know there are some parents who can't be as involved as you'd like, but, you know, do what you can um, in terms of that. So I, and, and, and maybe there are more of you, there are some of you out there who are like me. I'm all, I was always thinking about what can I do for Kelly? If I do this, then, you know, what if she needs that? If I do that, then, you know, I I'm, I'm, want to make sure that I make enough money here so that, you know, if she wants to go to camp or she wants to do, to go to this college or to do that, that she's able to do that. And I continued doing that as she was growing up. And then when she became an adult, I wanted, I felt bad because she wasn't asking me for anything. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. I felt bad because she was able to survive without me. <laughs> and I felt bad because I thought, she's not contacting me. <laughs> she doesn't tell me if she's needing something. She must need something. And really, it was merely my feelings. <laughs> it was really me putting too much responsibility on her for this need that I had become sort of dependent on fixing her needs or providing her needs. I had created a child or I shouldn't say create, I had developed a child that was independent, that was a critical thinker, that could live on her own independently and was happy doing it. And while on one side, I loved the fact that she could do that. On the other side, I hated the fact that she didn't need me. (laughs) How many of you feel that way or find yourself feeling that way? And I thought, I need to get myself a life. i got to find something to do other than focusing on this human who I had, you know, focused my whole life on for over 20 years on their every whim, their every thought. And, you know, what could they, you know, how could they be better? How can I help, you know, this other, this person? Everything that I did was for the betterment of this child. So, one of the things I came across when I was doing the research um, was an article that was written by uh, David Baer and Rachel Gillett, and it was in 2015, uh, and they cite different things from the Harvard Business Review, studies and things, and Stanford and University of Michigan, but it's nine commonalities of, of parents with successful Uh, who've been successful with successful children or successful parents and uh, just read them really quick for you they're they're easy things there's nothing that really needs a whole lot of explaining I think is that they teach their kids social skills they have high expectations so not so high that the kid can't reach it but you know you expect the children to act a certain way you expect them to be a certain way you expect them to attain things and they have they understand that attainment and that it gives them something to shoot for one of the interesting things that they said was that moms worked the moms worked and what they found it was a harvest study that daughters 
who went to school went to school longer. Uh, they were likely to have a supervisory role and earn more money than their peers who had moms who were stay at home. And I thought that was interesting that that they actually found that out that the sons of moms who work tended to pitch in more on the household chores and the child care. So they found that moms, the fact that the moms worked was something that was a sign of commonality in terms of successful parenting. Um, that they had a high socioeconomic status. Uh, and I could see how that could, that could impact, how that would fit. Uh, having a high secular economic status, there are less stressors uh, necessarily surrounded with that, so they're able to do more uh, with what they have there. Um, and then they've attained a high edu- higher educational levels. So it was a University of Michigan study that mothers who finished high school or college usually raised ch- kids who did the same thing. Um, so again, their children, remember we talked about parents are the children's role models. And so the aspiration is at least partially responsible for, for that particular um, finding in the study. That they teach the kids, that they teach kids math early on. And also kids can learn to add and subtract and um, and, and do different math helps them later on in life and doing different things, music as, as well as science that they develop a relationship with other kids, you know, so now they're building social skills, they're learning how to interact with other children, they're learning how to build friends that they're less stressed um, that they value the value, they value effect over uh avoiding failure and what that pretty much just means is that they valued effort I'm sorry effort I said effect that they valued the effort versus failure so it didn't matter as much if the child failed it was the fact that they tried okay if the child failed then here remember we talked about those having a tool or things or experiences that people could draw from so that when they're hit with these things that they can work on that or they can pull that out of their pocket. Um, when they're hit in the real world with failure, they know how to deal with it. Well, if they learn how to deal with that early on, then it's easier for them to get past it and move on to the next thing. Particularly if they're, if the effort um, is appreciated. Um, so I thought that was interesting that, that this they found those nine things or commonalities uh, around around successful parenting, and then the things that where we where we make common mistakes, not trying to fix their problems. So again, it goes back to they learn from that failure. If there's an issue, a problem. How would they fix it? Here's where we're you know teaching them critical thinking as well. How would they fix their problem? What would they do? You know, overestimating or underestimating a problem. You know, uh, having unrealistic expectations. So it's okay to have high expectations, but just as long as they're not unrealistic. And you know when they're unrealistic. 
uh, of your child, when your child is stressed out because of what you're expecting them to do, and maybe you step back. Being inconsistent, and you see this sometimes, or you hear parents talk about, um, I tell them to do X, their father tells them to do Y, uh, or, uh, or, okay, I know I told you not to do that, but this one time you can do this. So the inconsistency are the things that we do as parents um, that uh, is a common mistake. Not having roles, uh, rules for setting limits, you know, well, we just allow the child to do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it. There's no limits in the house. Uh, and they notice that and they pick up on that. And then we raising little monsters as they're, <laughs> as they're growing up. Uh, fighting back, which is something I saw interesting in terms of they're talking about uh, giving negative attention or, or, or the child picking up on how to power play you, you know. So you're arguing with the child. The child, you're not winning. The child eventually wins. They learn how to do that. They pick their fights. Um, and, and what they suggested was to learn more effective ways of disciplining uh, your child. And then not changing what doesn't work, you know. So you're seeing that something you're doing is not working and you don't change it because maybe it makes you feel bad or because you think the child will be hurt by it. If it's not working, you've got to get some things in there that do work. So there there are a whole lot of references or, or resources for parents um, if you're looking for have a particular problem or issue or concern, you know, the National Education Association, uh, the U.S. Department of Education, if you're in the United States, the Learning and Disabilities uh, Association of America, um, uh, Child Care, um, what's it called? ChildCareAware.org uh, has a whole list of references. Uh, or resources that uh, you can contact, um, the American Federation of Teachers, the Children's Trust Organization, Human Rights Campaign, GLAD. You know, you know if, you, if you really have an issue or problem uh, or have questions that you want to, you know, try and get to or try to figure out or you need help, there are places out there and people out there who are ready to help you. The thing is, or the bottom line is, your normal is going to be different from someone else's normal. So what's normal in your household or how you raise or how you parent may be different from someone else. And no one can tell you how to raise your kids. You know, as long as you're not harming them, as long as you're not beating them, as long as you're not doing those things that are destructive to them, you know, and you're loving them and you're raising smart, uh, capable people, um, you're good. So anyway, This has been Carla from the Inside Out. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to From the Inside Out. Be sure to join your host, Carla D. Walker, for another episode of the program next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have the best week.